Okay, San Francisco, damn, I thank you for tuning in. Didi LaFrac, keep it real, won't you tell it like it is. Bohemian woman up in San Francisco, talking life plenty convo. Super honest, you already know, the dopest, coolest podcast, yo. Yeah, sharing her life, her stories, I hope you ready, sit back, relax. Hey everybody, it's Didi, this is San Francisco, damn, for Friday, November 25th. 2022. I hope everybody is doing well today. This is the day after Thanksgiving here in America. I'm going to call this Free Ball Friday. My confession is I took Wednesday off. I was supposed to give you part two of the story about meeting Roseanne with my friend Scarlett Harlot. So I'm bringing it to you today. Some updates about life here in San Fran Fentanyl. More people are waking up every day to the dystopia. More people are moving out. Criminals are doing their thing. They're burning up campers. They're looting stores. Uh, people are fighting them. It's a city that is crumbling, but it's segregated. So there are parts of San Francisco that there's big, beautiful park, and they have slow streets and no cars on the streets. But they're all afraid of getting their bikes stolen or getting their cars broken into. I mean, it's San Fran Fentanyl, a junkie and criminal playground. And then there's the east side and the southeast side. There are large parts of the city where it's complete dystopia. Criminals all over, people pretending that it's normal. Junkies crawling on the street looking for crumbs of fentanyl. Hundreds of smirking illegal Honduran fentanyl dealers. It is a dystopian mess. But gee, it sure is pretty. That's the thing. It's pretty, which makes it dystopian. If San Francisco wasn't so pretty, it would just be a big slum, really. Although, again, and they're the west side. Got some cute manicured districts. Very cute, very manicured. But they still have crime. They still can't park their bikes in front of their houses. They still get their cars broken into. They, they have to lock their garages or somebody will come. In. It's a city that's under siege. But because they're phony and they're trying to keep up this pretense of being these snobs, these passe snobs, they keep trying to pretend it's not as bad as it is. And it is. All right, enough of the updates and what's going on here in Soft Fran Theses. Part one of the story, I will give you part one, a very quick synopsis. My dear late great friend who coined the term sex worker, sex activist, my film and television mentor, very longtime family friend. I've known her since the 80s. Scarlet Harlot. We call her Carol. She died last Wednesday the 16th. Archives are gone to Harvard University. Her obituary has been all over the world. I've said before it's interesting to see her go from mortality to immortality. So she'll be one of the great San Francisco legendary figures. Just saying that it's um I have not cried talking about her on air because she was not a crybaby. I've never seen her cry. Even when she was comforting my husband when he was dying, she was just, she did, was a woman who didn't cry much. Okay, so let me bring you up to speed on this story. Carol got invited to be on the Roseanne show, the great comic Roseanne. Roseanne was a comic 
back in the day, she used to call herself Domestic Goddess. She came out this drab-looking, fat white woman, funny as heck, called herself Domestic Goddess. She influenced me to call myself Performance Goddess. So if you are listening to this, Roseanne, or any of your people, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And I do want to say, I realize that she has been canceled by some of the progressives. She had a dust-up or something. I don't know the details with Valerie Jarrett, one of the Obama alumni or et cetera, whatever. I have nothing to do with that, all right? I have nothing to do with that. I'm sharing my experience meeting Roseanne back in the 90s, just putting this out here so you will know. I advocate for three people and rep the POV of three people, me, myself, and I. Charlotte got invited to be on Roseanne's talk show that she had in the late 90s, and she told them about me. Now, she didn't have to say, oh, I have a friend. You might want to have her on the show. Now, that's a cool girlfriend. That's a cool liberal. And Carol was not a hater, so she told Roseanne's producers about me, and I did a phone interview. They asked me, what did I do? At the time, I was a very frisky performance artist. I told her about one of my shows where I would pay men to let me subjugate them, so I would pay them a dollar to come on stage and kiss my butt. So I told Roseanne's producer in the phone interview what I did and other things about award-winning film, about my public cable access show I was doing, and the awards I'd won for doing uh, these things. And she's like, great, you could you could come down with Carol and we'll have you in the front row and you'll be a plant and then Roseanne will interact with you. I'm like, great. And then I brought along uh, an inappropriately younger dude I was dating at the time. Ladies, never date a guy 10 years younger than you. And I was young when I did that. Never do that, girl. Waste of time, waste of time. If I could turn back time, I would never date that chump. <laughs> So we get down to L.A. On the show with Carol was the great sex work author. Her name was Xaviera Hollander. Have you guys, you youngsters, have you ever heard a woman called the Happy Hooker? The Happy Hooker, she was like a Swedish lady and she wrote all these books about being a sex worker and having a naughty life. I can't believe I was reading those books when I was like 13, 14 years old. I would sneak and read them like, oh my goodness. And I told her so when I met her. She's like, how did you get those books? I'm like, you know how kids are. Kids get whatever they want. they kids sneaky. So it was Carol, Xavier Hollander, and another sex worker. And before the guest came out, me and my date were in the front row. We got walked down after the studio audience was there. We were in the green room drinking champagne at CBS Studios, and the producer I talked to the phone, she was whispering in my ear, now, when you talk to Roseanne, don't volunteer any information. Only follow Roseanne's lead. Don't bring anything up that we talked about. Let Roseanne lead you. And she was like, whispering this like really fast as we're walking down the aisle. I'm like, what? I was getting nervous because I was ready to bust out and do improv because I'm a trained comic actor. This is sexist, womanist, bohemian excellence. It's the San Francisco Dam Zone with Dee Dee LaFrac. With the San Francisco Mime Troupe, Tony Award winning 
theater troupe. I toured up and down the West Coast with them. And I got trained with Comedia Del Arte from the great Dan Chumley. So I was nervous, like, huh? So I'm in the front row with my beautiful body dysmorphia, five foot six, about 110 pounds. I felt fat down in LA. I, hey, body dysmorphia is weird. Like the Kardashians have body dysmorphia, most skinny actresses. You never feel satisfied with the way you look. And I, and I was looking at myself, I'm like, wow, I was like hot girl and I didn't feel that way. That's body dysmorphia for you. So I'm in the front row with the inappropriately younger chump. And I'd had a gift who made the gloves. I said, I'm going to Roseanne. She said, oh, well, would you want to take her a pair of my gloves? She made a long pair of leopard print gloves for Roseanne. And she is a self-admitted third-generation Wiccan. So my friend, the glove designer, who is a white witch, put a spell on the gloves before she gave them to me. And she said, this is a, a stay on me spell or don't take me off. She did some spell that Roseanne would keep the gloves on after I gave her the gloves. Hey, I'm just telling you. So I'm in the front row and then Roseanne like, she's looking around. Oh, hey, everybody. She looks at me. Look at this lady. Who are you? I like the way you look. Who are you? I'm like, hey, Roseanne, I'm from San Francisco. I'm the public cable access goddess. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, my name is Dee Dee, and I love you, Roseanne. She's like, oh, I love you, too. I said, I have a gift for you from San Francisco. May I bring you a gift? She's like, you got a gift? Bring it up here. So I clomp on the stage with my high heel silver shoes and my slit hand-painted skirt and my little crop top, hand-painted crop top with feathers hanging on it. Super skinny, beautiful, insecure girl. And I gave her the gloves and she stood up. Oh, honey, thank you. And she gave me a hug. I said, we love you, Roseanne. I love you, too. And she, oh, she looked at the gift. She sat down. Roseanne looked good up close. Beautiful skin. She was blonde. She had the biggest diamond ring I'd ever seen in my life. And I used to work the convention circuit with the wives of oncologists and neurosurgeons. And I saw some big diamond rings. She had this gigantic big diamond on. She put on the witch-infused leopard print gloves and she never took them off during the entire taping what well that went great i was a little nervous i, oh, I did my thing with roseanne i didn't break the rules no improv and people were looking at me like who is this lady hmm little flirtatious looks and then my friend carol came on did her routine talking with roseanne she did great she had on a sort of 1800 bordello style dress heavy on the bosom uh this big flouncy dress made by gilbert baker the man who created the gay pride flag gilbert baker rest in paradise to gilbert so carol did great and xavier hollander came out and then Roseanne did a little bit right in front of me i'm in the front row she then she says hey everybody i got some money and my first thought was, huh? <laughs> I got some money. She came, she had a, a bankroll. And I'll pay people to come up here and kiss my butt. You following me? I'll pay people to come up here and kiss my butt. I was kind of frozen, but I trained improvisational mixed media award winning artist. I had a fixed smile on my face. I'm in the front row with all the cameras on me. I'm smiling. <gasps> 
she's doing my damn act. <laughs> and so she got people come up on stage, bow down, <clears throat> exactly as I told the producer, bow down and kneel, kiss her butt, and she gave them money. She did my act right in front of me from the front row. I watched it all. That's basically the story, people. So, in short, Roseanne's producer appropriated my idea, gave it to Roseanne, and I am positive. Because some of my friends, even Carol said, you should sue Roseanne. I said, I ain't suing no Roseanne. And my friends in San Francisco, when we came back, we saw that show. She ripped you off. Oh, my God, what happened? That's your act. And Hollywood. The producers and the assistants, those are the liaisons. Those are the people that are going to rip off ideas. They're going to underground comedy clubs. They are repurposing ideas, and they bring these ideas to their boss or bring all these writers. Do you actually think that these out-of-touch, middle-aged people in Hollywood are creating all these great movies, creating all this comedy? Do you actually think that came from their brain? No, it came from people like me that their assistants picked their brain, took the ideas, and repurposed them. I've never had any hard feelings towards Roseanne because I knew she didn't know. Roseanne isn't a good enough actress to have done what she did in front of me if she had known that she was ripping me off. So it was a producer that repurposed my act. So that is my story, how I got to meet the great domestic goddess comedian, Roseanne. And I met a lot of celebrities. She's one of the nicer, genuinely nicer ones, not a phony bone in her body. And for those of you listening, be careful who you share your ideas with. Be careful who you share your artistic ideas with. I know that was a heck of a story. Thank you so much for coming along. And I'm coming to you Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I used to be here every day. And on that theme, I have over 900 shows that I did daily. They're very intense, psychodramatic, talking about the worst of San Francisco, which going through the shelter-in-place, the junkie apocalypse, all the crazy stuff is documented there. So go ahead, look at the show list. I will be back Monday with some fresh meat. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. I love you. I am Dee Dee Dam. I trust my vibe. San Francisco Dam. Thank you for listening to San Francisco Dam with Dee Dee LaFrac. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, Anchor App, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found.